millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. They will give you 10% off your legal fees if you go via us at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. As is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you'd like to get these podcasts ad-free, you get early access to the Match Ball Plus, our subscriber-only podcast, The Extra Ball. Then get TSB Plus, our new subscription package. In there is a full digital subscription to the magazine as well as a daily email from moscow with all the essential league united news and opinion i keep that to a minimum nobody cares what i think <laughs> if you want to get involved with that the squareball.net forward slash plus is the address to go to the squareball.net forward slash plus first things first if you want to hear the reaction by you and by man city fans to the man city game then head across to propaganda which is the podcast the new one we've spun off from this one which is available in your podcast feed just before this. In the meantime, we are almost but not quite mathematically safe as West Brom beat Southampton, didn't they? Do we need to worry about West Brom? I know we were all worrying about Fulham, but who's the real danger here? Big Sam? It's possible we don't get another point. I mean, where is our next point going to come from? That's the question. We've beaten champions-elect Man City. It's going to be a struggle, isn't it? It is. It's a shame they've not... West Brom couldn't just continue being shit and then we could have had that as an announcement, a little ticking it off that's an achievement for this season. I know it's what Bielsa's been waiting for. He's no doubt making him run even harder until it is until another point is gained. That begs the question, are those you know lucky 10,000 or whatever going to be witnessing a relegation six-pointer on the final day of the season, Michael? No, they'll be down. Us or them? <laughs> oh, that's very t- Sorry, yes. <laughs> hey, there yes, you go. yes we, may, we may need to grind out a nil-nil on that final game. No, it's great, isn't it, to think we've got to this point in the season with, what, seven games to go and it's all fine? And it's actually been fine for weeks, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Even I've been saying it's fine for weeks. Been fine since September. <laughs> Just Be- beating Liverpool on the opening day, <laughs> once we saw that, there was no way that we were uh, going set, down. Set us up perfectly, didn't it? Same as the under-23s who have won their league, I believe. That's all done and dusted now. Well, no, I mean, is that in jeopardy as well? Is that going to be a final day thing? Yeah, we need to basically gain a point from our final three games or rely on Stoke dropping a point from their final four games. Two big asks. So I think we're fine. We are going to be fine. And I'm actually quite pleased that because Palace played Stoke yesterday and if Palace had won, we would have won the league without playing. Whereas as it is, they ended up um, drawing two all. So it was good. It means the, the players can be there for a celebration. It's in their yeah, own hands. Friday night, away to Aston Villa. Are they going to, by the time they get back to Leeds after winning the league, will the open top bus be back on the low fields 
get the crowds down. Come on, it's safer oh, now hey, than it was then. Fairy tale as well. If Adam Forshaw is involved in this one to help them lift the trophy, he could captain that side. What a comeback game that'd be! It is possible he will he will arrive to just steal the glory. Sorry, I need to stop you for a second because we were laying into Manx stereotypes over on propaganda. Have you just delivered a terrible Scouse stereotype? What about stealing? Yeah. Oh, not deliberately, actually. No, but um, unconscious bias there. Well, is it is it unconscious from me or from Adam Forshaw? <laughs> Can't help himself. Exactly. Kleptomaniac. In in the genes, as well as the bad hip. It's in his genes that he needs to to pinch. We definitely booked a bus. Is it the one that I just saw driving up? (laughs) Yeah, he played a game, didn't he, Adam Forshaw? Apparently. It wasn't. All the other under-23s games have been videoed this season and available. This one was not, which makes me suspicious. Behind closed doors, is he a mechanoid? There was a camera there because it filmed Sam Greenwood hitting another absolutely brilliant free kick into the top corner. But I didn't see Forshaw on it. Given that we're struggling and we're only just holding off relegation, is it time to play Sam Greenwood? That's the question. Is it time to get him in the side? This Bielsa character, is he really doing it now with us still flirting this close to relegation? Time to get a guy who we know can look after young players in charge of that squad. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Brian Kidd. Yes. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. Mark Jackson, and I think Jacko would be the, uh, the perfect candidate to get the best out of young Adam Forshaw as he breaks through. Click. Hasn't been on form lately. I didn't think he uh, he particularly distinguished himself against Manchester City. So if that's the way he's going to play, we may as well get Adam Forshaw back in for the rest of the season and do what he can to save our Premier League status. I mean, seriously, I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing him back in action if he can get back to the level he was at. But I really feel sorry for him. Yeah, I, I do as well. I just want him to play football again because it, it must have been absolutely awful for him this past Getting on for what, 18 months? I mean, growing, two up, in, years growing, or something? Yeah. growing up in Liverpool as well, hasn't he suffered enough, et cetera, et cetera? And, and in, living in Middlesbrough for a time as well. So, oh, Jesus. It will be interesting to see what becomes of him, whether, because we're all talking about signing a player for that position for next season and potentially spending a lot of money. So he could find himself down the pecking order. And it, but also, when you've not played for the best part of two years, will he be happy kind of just being the under 23s? get as fit as he can and then try and get into our team because I was for something I was thinking about it this morning and how he will maybe have a problem if he goes to another club having got fit because there's a there is a it happens when players are out for a long time injured and then leave as soon as they're fit people like to go you fucking used our physio our gym get yourself fit now you've got to repay us get in the under 23s for a season and pay us back don't go swanning off to Middlesbrough playing football turned his back on Leeds and I if he of, goes to Middlesbrough there's no danger in playing football in fairness is there and I kind of I just have that, that fear because he will be in an awkward position because it will be difficult for him to get past Rodrigo de Paul Matches Click Stuart Dallas Jamie Shackleton into our first team but then also it will be difficult for him to go to another club and say no raring to go no problems last couple of years Put that gap on the CV. What were you doing in that time? It'd be like it'd be like the David Haig of, uh, of midfielders. I mean, I, d- I don't want to finish his career for him before he, he's finished it. But this has got Derby County in eighteen months written all over it, hasn't it? Have you seen their new owner, by the way? He seems like a good chap. He seems like an interesting character, doesn't he? Uh, flirting around the edges of Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday, so you can see the sort of pond that they're swimming in. It's hilarious. Nothing can possibly go wrong. I mean, if you remember before Massimo Cellino came to. Leeds, he was sniffing around Sheffield Wednesday. So there's a very, um, there's like a, a particular path you get. And Bates as well was turned down by Sheffield Wednesday before taking over Leeds. So it's a particular path for Madman Chairman. 
is to be turned down by Sheffield Wednesday and for them to say, no, 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 thank you very much. You're a little bit too crazy for us. And then you go and pick up somebody else. And it used to be us. Now it's Derby County. He can do better than that. It will be, you know, it's good to have him back playing football. And it's good that that's, I guess, it's now a question of who could he play football for next season? Could it be our under-23? Could it be our first team? Because he played in the Premier League before. He was good for minerals for in the Premier League. Him and Paddy B. We need to have maybe a podcast team meeting now when we can do it live on the recording if you want. Who's put this on the sheet? Which idiot has added, added this to the sheet? The EFL announcement. What's this? What EFL? What's that got to do with us? <laughs> Just came up on my Twitter feed and I thought, oh God, when do we need to pencil in? Which dates do I need to keep free? Is it the Carabao Cup draw? <sighs> no, it's the playoff final dates. The playoff dates, which I used to always look at and think, make sure I book a holiday for after that. Because I sometimes even get a hotel booked in Wembley, like fully cancellable, get all that sort of stuff done. But don't have to do it. No, I mean the dates for it, the final. I mean, there's a there's a real echo from the past here, and also a terrifying mirror being held up into an alternative reality. If that's the phrase I'm looking at, a looking glass, if you like. It's Saturday, the 29th of May, and I know that date because it's my birthday. So imagine if we'd bollocks it up last season, and we were still in there. We'd sold Calvin. Maybe Bielsa's there still, you know, on a reduced wage or whatever. And we've not quite got the squad that's strong enough to get up. But we're in the playoffs and we get through to the final and we're at Wembley for my birthday. You know how it ends, don't you? I do know how it ends, yes, because that's exactly how it ended in 1987 uh, for the playoff final then. Also on the 29th of May, my ninth birthday. The one point of interest beyond I, your, I, I cried. your birthdays for the playoffs this year is Barnsley. Because they're fifth at the moment and they are five points clear of seventh so they could you know they should ought to be in the playoffs and then they're against Brentford <laughs> Swansea and Bournemouth Barnsley in the Premier League I'd love that I really for it. Alex Mowat in the Premier League definitely Apo Haume can we get the Derek Dilly back that's yeah. what we need I'd love to see him in the Premier League I absolutely would be Mainly because, because they'd be very weak. Well, that's it, yeah, because we don't see them as a threat, do we? We expect them to take up one of the bottom three positions. Exactly. But also because they will become Yorkshire's number two team. Well, it sounds like they've been... I mean, I've not watched Barnsley this season, but everybody's saying that tactically they are insane. It's all just like they're rushing forward as a group of 11, like school kids, and just kicking everybody and scoring loads of goals and letting in loads of goals. Well, the only downside to that is that then they kind of get tied to our boat. So it'll be, you know, the two exciting Yorkshire teams, whereas I quite like it just being us. But we're quite good at keeping Barnsley in the place. And I think it would be a great, great story. Alex Mowat tearing it up in Premier League. MC fields. Freestyle, to give him his, his younger name. MC Freestyle versus Kevin De Bruyne. It'll be great. But he was, he was like uh, Calvin Phillips, written off. Now look at him. Yeah, it's good to see. I'm just on the playoffs though. You Mowat mentioned for England is what I'm saying. Yeah, you mentioned that would be great. Alex Mowat and Calvin Phillips playing in the next in World Cup in Qatar for England. <laughs> that would be magnificent. Just a name that you dropped into that talk there about the playoffs. Brentford. Isn't it great to see them not going up automatically again? Well, Ponta Shanton was nice about us the other he day. Was wasn't not, he was Do you know what? I I I really wish success for him on a personal level but not for Brentford as a football club he needs a transfer doesn't he yeah. he's another one Like I'd like to see Moa in the Premier League more than I would like to see Pontus Janssen in fact but I would like to see Janssen make it so he can have that in his career but he's just he's got to move because I don't want Brentford to come up I think it's funny that they're not doing it so who's who's going to be that could he sign for Fulham 
I mean, they took Ross McCormack yeah, and Matt Smith, a, didn't they? So it's kind of a tra- it's the sort of transfer that would happen. Somebody who's going to be gurgling around the plug hole, but can afford to take a punt on him for like, if, I don't know eight ten million or something. If Malmo get drawn against Chelsea again, he's right there, isn't he, for tickets? So. Yeah, move to Fulham. And just to address any uh, Brentford simpletons who are listening to this going, oh, rent-free, obsessed. Yeah, so they wouldn't talk like that, would they? That's uh, going to be all rent-free, obsessed. Um, they we, would... We've got four pubs. <laughs> not, not, not anymore. anymore. No, you've got, th- you got three railway lines. We've got a wonky roof. Yeah. Yeah, we're not obsessed. You're not living rent-free. It's just funny laughing at you fail. That's what football is about. So stop it. It is. I mean, that's... I think you mentioned it, Moscow, ages ago. I remember you saying, look, take the piss when you win. You've got to take it when you lose. It's fine, isn't it? None of it, none of it, none of it actually matters, does it? Just a game. Yeah, all the pelters that we took when we bollocked up the playoffs. You know, all those memes that went round of you know inject it and all that sort of stuff. Bottle men, all that stuff. Yeah, well, all fair enough. Yeah, fine. We we took it all on the chin and we waited and waited and stored all those tweets and those memes and threw them right back in your stupid face when we went up and got promoted automatically. Speaking of stupid faces, Dean Windass thinks we're signing Danny Rose. If you put Danny Rose in the team now at Leeds United, there'll be no problems. He can get up and down. He's a fit lad. And maybe he wants to go back to Yorkshire with his family and settle down. I've brought to this podcast a picture of Danny Rose that was shared on Twitter the other day. Mate, he doesn't look good, does he? Do you think he can go straight into the Leeds United team? Dean Windass does, and I will take Dean Windass's view on fitness any day. He is Dean Windass fit. I will say that. He He, is in similar shape to Dean Windass. He could go straight into the Leeds United catering team. I mean, why is Dean Windass talking about Danny Rose and Leeds? Shall I tell you why? It's because this is on, where is it on? Is it on Football Insider or something like that? I can't even remember now. Oh, Leeds United Insider. One of these. It, it, I think it's a different one to the one that says, um, that's got Paddy Kenny says that we could sign Wendia from Norwich. I was just going to say maybe it's a 25 quid opinion or something like that. What, I don't what's know. the thinking behind that? As Paddy Kenny, because the style of play, he thinks he, thinks he could fit in, maybe in, allow Rafinha to not keep moving centrally as much. He can stay more on the wings. Is that... The thinking he could, he thinks he think he'd play well with Dallas. He's Argentinian. Oh, okay. And with Bielsa says Paddy Kenny, that could sway it. I mean, Paddy Kenny is so used to just being signed again and again by Neil Warnock. They probably just assumed that's how it works. That Bielsa just like, oh well, he's Argentinian. I may as well, I may as well have him here. I, I like having a mate. I do. I mean, but Buendia has done some really good stuff this season for Norwich, and I think going back twelve months before Rodrigo de Paul took over my entire life. I was quite interested in the idea of, of signing him because he looked like a tidy little player that you could imagine fitting in in a Bielsa side. But they're coming up. They don't need the money now. because Patty got... Kenny says Bielsa wants to sign some Argentinian players. Like he has so already. He's got, so he's got somebody to talk to. Can Just we... like all of the Argentinians that are currently packing out our squad. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Sergio Aguero? Yeah, linked. I mean... is he, What's he like on a podcast though? That's the thing. I mean, scoring goals. I think famously doesn't speak English, does he? Despite having lived here for 10 years, which is and typical uh, typical bloody Argentinians. Emma, Matt and Jermaine, they're not going to get on with that, are they? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit of a dent if they're having to have a, a translation. Who else are we buying then? Nigel Martin, ex-Palace, ex-Leeds, as we should buy. Are that. we linked to, are we signing him? <laughs> if we need a backup keeper, I think he could still do a job. Could Can he mean? outrun Melier from one end of the pitch to the other? I mean, he could get down to his near post better than Belly Peacock Farrell could. I think I can't remember who spoke to Nigel Martin, but I think it hit a sweet spot of him playing for Leeds and Palace. Yeah, yeah that's what I was just going to say. Van Aanholt. Van Aanholt being out of contract and they went, do you think Leeds, who you played for, should sign him, who plays for Palace, who you, you played for as well? So you probably know, don't you? Should we sign Van Aanholt? Don't know. He's all right, isn't he? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> it was have, you, have you not got a, a, a tactical breakdown? Have you not got some stats there for me, Michael? He's... A fairly decent left back from what I've seen of him, but he also plays for 
Palace at the moment, and I do wonder if the sheer level of inertia that he's had to encounter will have will not bode well if he has to then get thrown into murder ball. There was a story going around about him being offered a contract by the club in Turkey who were after Alioski as well, which would probably be a better solution. Because I don't know if Van Arnhout would necessarily improve our team very much, but if he wants to go there instead of Gianni Alioski, then so it... Van Arnhout to Galatasaray, Alioski could maybe go to Palace and then they yeah. could give us Eze. <laughs> Was that fair? That works. I think that's fair, yeah. Okay, well, I'm up for that. Should we put that forward then? Should we get in touch with Victor Orta? It'll be linked on some website now. It'll be reported. Moylan claims. Mm. It's not Victor Orta you need to convince. It's Ron Nodes. Ah, yeah, fair point. Uh, Steve Koppel. I I imagine Steve Koppel is still in charge of everything at Crystal Palace. I know it's not related to transfers here, Michael, but can you tell the story of what you've done to Victor Orta? Because I think it's dead funny. Well, he was in touch indirectly via the press people. He wanted some copies of our fantastic, still available, Champions special summer edition that we did. He wanted a few copies of that, so I dropped him some down at Ellen Road. In a, I mean, I mean, he could have gone to the squareball.net, couldn't he? And could have put his hand in his pocket, but, yeah. you know, when you're important, you don't, you don't bother, do you? He's busy, so we gave him, gave him some copies, and we gave a load to the squad as well, if they wanted a few souvenirs, which was really nice to think that they wanted to commemorate the occasion with the stuff that we've done, which is great. I'm sure Kiko Kassir appreciated the, the kind words that were said about him <laughs> in there. It was spotted on um, Duke Bamford's uh, glass coffee table. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was on his Instagram account. Where, I mean, the player review in there did say this was Bamford's last chance at the Premier League. Um, so, Well, it's true. I, I mean, how I, many I, more? He doesn't need another chance because he's taken it. But anyway, in dropping these issues down at, at Ellen Road, I did just slip a little picture of Rodrigo de Paul in there. <laughs> just on top of him. Just as a hint. No, no note with it or anything. <laughs> just left in there. So if we do sign him, I think between your work on Twitter and the fact that I went to the bother of printing off a, a picture from the internet, I think that's... We deserve some credit for it. Here's a question for the ages. Why did Leeds let John Stones have so much of the ball? Tell me why. Because he's not very good with it. Because he's a defender and he should be presumably on the edge of his own box. Somebody I was at school with once tried to claim that defenders aren't allowed to score in football. So maybe (laughs) Bielsa also got confused about the rules. I presume that's exactly the angle that Phil Hay has taken on The Athletic this week because he has posed and attempted to answer that question. Also an article entitled These Leeds Players Are Beasts. I think that's a compliment, isn't it? In the sort of uh, Erling Haaland sense of beast. Yes, it goes back to something Pep Guardiola said about Bielsa's Bilbao players back in the day, but I think he saw a different kind of beast. A much nicer one, Stuart Dallas. He's not particularly beastly fellow. But he's got the output of a beast, and that's all that matters when it comes to Premier League football. What does a beast output? Is it just pure hot piss? <laughs> Again, I think that's exactly the the angle that Phil's taken on this with The Athletic. <laughs> so if you want to catch up with what he's been writing about, head to theathletic.com forward slash the square ball and you can sign up for a pound a month. And keep your ears peeled as well. We'll have the Phil Hayes show later on this week. Liverpool, Ellen Road, under the lights, Monday night. Tony Yaboa rattling in one from 25 yards, a goal that'll be voted the best ever, I reckon. That's what's going to happen this next week. What do you think? We've beaten them once already, so maybe we'll just let them off with a draw. Another double, you think? No, I mean, we didn't get a... Oh, yeah, because we beat City twice, didn't we? Sometimes I forget what exactly has happened in the fantasy land I choose to live in. I will beat them. They're fucking rubbish. I don't even know who their defenders are anymore. One of them is called Nat Phillips, who sounds like he should have been playing for Bolton in the 50s or something. Is he the one they signed from Preston? No, he never plays. Okay. I think they they said they were really desperate for defenders, so they signed the guy from Preston and then took one. They obviously watched him train and went, oh God, Who that's is what is this? Weird move, wasn't it? 
Yeah, they've been playing Nat Phillips, who's he's had a bit of a weird career. He's 24, and he's kind of always been... Is it? I thought he was like 19 or something. No, he's 24 years old, and he was on loan in the German second division. And to which club? Stuttgart, the European Cup cheats. Yep, correct. Well done. Did you know where he's born, Nat Phillips? I'm going to say Liverpool. No, Bolton. Oh, well, there you go. You're completely right. <laughs> Everyone's called Nat in Bolton, I think. They're still a, the he, men and the women. He is the son... <laughs> <laughs> the son of former footballer Jimmy Phillips and played under him in the Bolton Wanderers Academy. He has been named after... It Nat. was written. Yeah. Do you think he's named after Nat Lofthouse? I, I'd say given that his name is Nat, there's a chance. Could well Well, his be. name's Nathaniel. Right. Does that mean Nat Lofthouse was called Nathaniel? Are Somehow you, that's you, never occurred to me in all the years I've been alive in this world. You mean it's not Nat with a G? But yeah, it's him and Ozan Kabak. Who Nathaniel is. Lofthouse, <laughs> look at that. Whoever would have thought that his full name was Nathaniel? But yeah, you can see the football world has conspired against Liverpool this season. The the tackle on Virgil van Dijk has still not had the justice that it deserves, has it? So no. I'm sure they'll stop going on about it at some point, just when is is a bit of an unknown. If you're old enough to remember the um, the Nat West pigs, you know, that you used to get for... The Nathaniel West pigs. Those, yes, those I'd forgotten. The, Nathaniel, the author Nat- of um, Day of the Locust. Exactly, and yeah. Miss yeah. Lonely Hearts, Nathaniel West, but it's spelt... Differently, he is an A E L Nathaniel rather than an I E L. Thank you. Every day's a school day, and I was just going to say one of As those Daniels. Po- though I think you and I should reject these people. Well, yeah, I was going to say Nathaniel was the name of one of those pigs. That's all I've got to say on the matter. <laughs> well, the Nat West pigs was called Nathaniel. I'm fairly sure, yeah. Nathaniel West, the Nathaniel West pig. I need to look up now what they're called. Would you um choose to do your banking with a pig? Are we back to Keith Stroud? Sorry. Keith Stroud leaving deposits in a pig. <laughs> We had Woody, Annabelle, Maxwell, Lady Hillary, and Sir Nathaniel Westminster. So, yes. Sir Nathaniel Westminster. So, it was, yeah, Nat West. Nathaniel case, Westminster. I would bank with that pig. Keith Stroud withdrawing from a knight of the realm. <laughs> anyway, there's a football match, isn't there? <laughs> Which one of those is playing centre-back? Fe- feels like we got a bit waylaid. <laughs> a little bit. I've got some match match preview here, anyway, from Steve Nicholas has managed to escape from propaganda. Is he looking forward to this game? Oh, well, there's something to watch. <laughs> well, this is him talking about Liverpool in the Champions League, but obviously we, we're playing them around the same time. So he's kind of discussing how they can work their defence, how they can break out of this sort of... They're not in bad form, but they're in a bit of a tight spot, aren't they? They need, they need to win every game, more or less, to get in the Champions League and to beat Real Madrid. And, and this is how Steve thinks they, they can do it. I think for Klopp and all Liverpool fans, the worrying thing is, what can he do to change this? I don't think he can do anything. He can't do anything. Fabinho looks heavy-legged. I've never seen Wijnaldum looking so tired from the get-go. You're bringing on Thiago, who's not going to be able to go and close the ball the way that, that the best Liverpool sides under Klopp have done. So you can't change that. So then Real Madrid are going to still get ball at Anfield. Now you add the problems they got at the back. What are they going to do to change the back line? They can't change the back line. So how does Klopp change this? There's no crowd behind them. Hmm. I, I, there's a lot of questions and there's certainly not a lot of answers. What's the point in any of this? What's the point? Just welcome the darkness. Klopp is like the goggles. He can do nothing. There's nothing you can do. It's like when I was in that pond. The lass is saying, put your feet down. You can probably touch the bottom. And I said, no. <laughs> can you not swim? I said, no, I don't want to. 
Just let me. Ten sl- years of lessons, I learned nothing. Let me just slip away. <laughs> oh, he's amazing, isn't he, Steve Nichol? He is great. I mean, if if he looks at whoscored.com. It's a very different picture, isn't see, it? See, they do have some strengths still. He doesn't just say strengths. There's nothing, there's nothing to be done. Weaknesses have given up. <laughs> Weaknesses, football, having to play football. Strengths I mean, soon be over. Their actual, the actual tactical breakdown from who scored, they're very strong at creating chances through individual skill, but I think none of their brilliant forwards can score anymore, can they? So that's fine. And then creating scoring chances in general is their other one, and long shot opportunities. So shooting and having chances seems to be their, their game. Short passes too. I mean, we talk about... Non-aggressive, uh, that helps. About pairs of fixtures, benchmarking how far we've come. Like, at the start of the season, I thought, bloody hell, Liverpool's a daunting fixture to start the Premier League campaign on. I mean, but we came through it with flying colours, obviously getting the three, three, po- points. three points on the opening day. But this one I'm sort of genuinely looking forward to now, because I think we've come a long way. They've regressed a little bit, so why not? They're not. They're certainly not scary anymore, are they? I mean, they lost to Fulham the other week, didn't they? There'll be a different proposition next season. I mean, the Van Dyke thing is a serious concern if you take a player that good they only got good because they spent all that money to sign him from Southampton and then suddenly they win everything so when he's out of the team again they win nothing so bring him back next year and there'll be a different proposition but that's why we need to make sure we get the six points off them this season we're the only club that's had injuries it's not fair not to mention that the fact that they've suffered more than any other club from not having the fans in they're such a special set of fans yeah but James Milner might play It'll be nice to see him. So that might be nice, if we're looking at positives. It's a shame it wouldn't be a full island road to to welcome him. But yeah, we're going to win. It'll be fine. Very excited about beating Liverpool straight after beating Manchester City. And that'll be four Premier League wins in a row. Do you think we'll actually win this one? I think we've got a really good chance. The problem is, is when we've got a little bit buoyant this season, we've lost. And when we think we're going to lose, we've put on a performance. It's tended to work the other way. There's nothing we can do. (laughs) I'm going to tend towards Steve Nichol and say we can't win. We can't beat arguably the two best teams in the league, can we? Not in a row. We can. I mean, we could. Well, the difficulty there is if you don't believe in that, where does the scum game fit in? Because if we're only allotted a certain number of victories over the top teams, then we really do need to beat them. So, so we lose this one on purpose. Are we say, yeah, are we saying we lose this one and then win that? Or, because the alternative is, that in three weeks we beat Manchester City, Liverpool and Scum and that takes us to five consecutive Premier League victories and then we're probably qualifying for the Europa League when that happens. Because after that, who are we playing after that? It's all Southampton and West Brom and all the muck, isn't it? I think there's Spurs still to come but they're terrible as well now. Have you? So we're going to win every game from now to the end of the season, qualify for the Europa League and win that. Well, I was going to say, actually, have you seen the UEFA Conference League that they've rolled out? Have you seen that? Mm. Have you seen it, Michael? Needs more Vauxhall. I didn't fully understand how it worked. So it's like a, it's a poor man's UEFA Cup slash whatever that is. That's the, a, that's the rich man's Intertoto. Yeah, that's the Europa League. So it's like, so you know that the um, UEFA Cup. Is it so, like the Anglo-Italian Cup? Well, you've got the Champions League, which is obviously top of the tree, and then but they've shrunk down the UEFA Cup. What's it called? That The Europa League. Europa League. So they've shrunk that down, but that's overspilled from the Champions League. And this Conference League is overspilled from that. So it's like a third-tier competition, but it's heavily weighted in terms of teams towards like the lower-ranked ones in Europe. It's so, it's so the other nations around 
Europe continue to get a presence in one sort of European competition or another. So more associations have more football to get involved in. And so you might get, you know, a couple of teams from, if there are two, San Marino, whatever. But yeah, England gets a team in there at the final qualifying stage. So there is a very real chance if things fall right for us and we were to sneak in, we could do quite well and we could become the inaugural winners of the UEFA Conference League because we would win it. What do you win for winning it? A trophy. You just win that, you don't win a place in the... Get, like if you win the UEFA, yeah, UEFA Cup, you it, go up a yeah. Champions League, don't you? It gets you into the UEFA Cup for the season after. Okay, I'm, I'm glad we're sticking with the UEFA Cup as a name as well. Let's, we've got the Fairs Cup. Yeah, which, well, we wouldn't need to take the UEFA Cup spot because we're going to win the division next season, aren't we? That is how it works, isn't that is, it? Yeah, yeah. So second season back, we win it. Okay, let's just win as much as we can, including this Liverpool game. And if we did get into that, the Vauxhall Conference thing by UEFA, then we might have a slightly bigger squad. They might say to him, hey, Marcelo, we've got more games. We need to pad out this squad, so we'll need Rodrigo de Paul and someone else. With the additional £600,000 of TV <laughs> revenue you get from this tin pot competition that we're now in, which is going to absolutely kill the squad. And you get to go to Albania on a Thursday. Imagine that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Heroes and villains is this part of the podcast. Who's made a smile? Who has disappointed us in the last seven days? Uh, first, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Someone what done us bad. Uh, nominations please then and of course we open this up to our TSB Plus subscribers on the feedback form so they can uh, chuck some ideas our way Andre Mariner start with him there's several on the same theme of Andre Mariner one way or another so him that ref VAR gets a lot of nominations as well but Andre Mariner should bear the brunt of this one of the other downsides of VAR becoming so prevalent is it does remove apart from the death threats to whoever it was earlier in the season the opportunity to just blame the referee. That's kind of what I was saying on the um, the propaganda show about liking it more when the decision rests on the shoulders of the referee because then you blame him. And he's an Aston Villa fan, so we're blaming Andre Mariner, the Aston Villa fan, for this rather than the abstract concept of VAR, which what is it? It's a, it's a sequence of cables and screens and I can't really get angry at effectively, you know, an old Amstrad monitor, a man, is a useful tool to be angry at. But yeah, Ollie nominates not VAR as such, but everyone obsessed with refs making mistakes, which then led to the demand for VAR, which is now infinitely worse, which is also a fair shout. Yes, the other part of wanting to blame referees for everything is also 
to say it's absolutely fine if they want to make mistakes. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, I think, is the lesson here for all of us, isn't it? Well, we all know. Nobody wished for this. We just wanted some better decisions, and instead we got worse. Jim does point out that he couldn't wait to give absolutely everything to City during the game as well, which I think is a fair comment as well. It did feel like that every time they went down, he just sort of went, yeah, yeah. fine. Or if they called for things, corners, throw-ins, whatever, he just gave everything to them. Yeah, it's not like he was necessarily a homer as such, but he was more like a big teamer. And that, I use the term reservedly. He's a Villa fan. He probably just was thinking, got him on strings here. Well, um, Adrian and Nigel both point out Fernandinho should be a villain. And that tackle was dreadful. With Cooper, he's mistimed it. He's late. It's clumsy. It's Liam Cooper. I mean, I don't, he, does, I don't, he does get the ball. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he just timed it. He, he timed it perfectly for the ball, but just not for the man. Yeah, exactly. So I see the argument where it says he lost control. It's not It's not the worst tackle I've ever seen. I'm going to be sick in a bin. But it was all, you know, it was pretty bad. But Fernandinho, there's two ways of stopping somebody on the breakaway. There's the little tap on the ankles where they go flying and you go, oh, but they're not hurt and that's fine. Or there's just absolutely whacking somebody in the thigh for no reason to make sure that they are hurt as well as stopping the... Uh, the counter-attack. Yeah, the, there's, think, a, there's a lot of force in Fernandinho's tackle, isn't there? It's knee to thigh, which is like, pull his shirt or something if, well, you, yeah. want to, if you want to stop him. Well, something that's yeah, completely harmless. You've gone for the force. I'd go for the cynicism angle as well. There is more cynicism in what Fernandinho did than Liam Cooper. He was fully intending to make a hard but fair tackle. But, I mean, well, you get, no, you, a hard but unfair tackle. That's the thing. There was. Do you mean Cooper was trying to make yeah, hard his, his intent was to make a fair tackle. Yeah, like Cooper's he intent he was yeah. fair. Fernandinho's yeah. intent was unfair and to injure because you can make an unfair tackle without hurting. Like I mean, we've got the picture of Rafinha with his thigh strapped from knee to groin. You can stop somebody from running through on goal without going knee to thigh as uh, Fernandinho did on that. It was completely unnecessary. And the only reason to do it was to hurt him. It's stupid as well, With just as a more general point about what is a, a red and a yellow card as well. That If you think back to earlier in the season, when Pepe got sent off for essentially flicking his head at Alioski, and everyone went, that's the definite red card. Alioski was not hurt. I bet even 30 seconds after that was done, Alioski will not have been in any pain. I would imagine this still hurts Rafinha. He will have like a big mm. bruise on his leg and it will probably take him several days to get to be clear of happy. it. And he was, yeah, he was furious about it. And red, why are we saying one's definitely a red card? So we're saying that biased whataboutery is absolutely fine. Is that what we're getting at? Well, I think it's just that the rules are shit. Is what I'm getting at. Like, why? Why does everyone go? Well, you can see he's used his head there, so that's definitely a red card. It's like, but but why is it? Like, it's not hurt anyone. It's not actually affected the game in any way. This is he's used a lot of force and he's done it in a cynical way. So why is this? Why why does no one think this is a red card? This the stuff, rules are only changing for it's, Leeds United. It's, it's about the the parameters of where the cards lie, isn't it? That's about it, really. Well, so yeah, you, you know what you can get away with for a yellow, roughly, and because. Cooper's kind of fell outside or just straddled the boundary of yellow and red. Who knows? For this, some people on, uh, yes, in fact, it was on Ollie asked us whether red and yellow cards are still fit for purpose. And I've seen that question has come up this weekend as a, a role. This Ollie says a red card can range from basically nothing right through to manslaughter <laughs> and sin bins get discussed. And should we have orange cards? And I'm not sure any of those are the solutions, but. The whole red-yellow card thing does date from a long time before the number of things that you can now be sent off for became uh, sending off offences. So we have kind of got this disciplinary system based on the idea that 
you would have to murder somebody on the pitch to get a red card. The thing, what you had to do to get a red card and be sent, well, you didn't even have a card, to be ordered off back in the day was completely different to now where you can be sent off for effectively just putting your head too near somebody or breaking their leg. And it used to be that the reliance then on disciplinary points and there being like a scale of severity that the 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 penalty was not so much that you're out of that game. That was something that happened obviously instantaneously and you're down to 10, fine, and you wouldn't have as many substitutes. So it was more difficult to deal with. That was one part of it. But then it would then be about the number of games you missed would be then on a sliding scale of how many points you got, depending on the severity. But there is still some of that in there that if it's serious foul play, it's one suspension and then it's another. But maybe that's the thing is that they need to look at these and go, all oh, right, if all these things are red cards, you still need to punish one player for doing X more than a player for doing Y. So it is that if you've deliberately and can be seen to have deliberately snapped somebody's leg, then a red card in three games isn't enough. You're out for six months. Whereas if you've just kind of gone head to head with somebody and it's that kind of rutting stags thing, then you go, all right, you miss, you can come on at half time in the next game. The problem is though that they judged Liam Cooper's to be serious foul play. So he's going to end up getting a three-month ban under your sliding scale. Cooper's out for three months. Well, actually, we know that there was no bad intent there. But it would be, um, that would all need o- overhauling to kind of reflect where we are at in terms of what you can be sent off, off for. So it might be that the panel that I'm inventing on the hoof, which is why this is all very ill thought out <laughs> and wrong, um, then looks at that tackle and takes quite a lenient view of it and says, all right, he misses a game. But, I think that's part of the problem is that there are so many different things that you can be sent off for or booked for. They've all kind of followed on the system and been bolted onto it, whereas it, it kind of, it maybe needs looking at from the other point of view of, okay, what are the offences in modern football and what are the appropriate punishments? Should we, um, should we go back to bestiality? Um, David Coote gets As a picked, punishment. Gets picked. <laughs> who, who is no, being punished? That for me should be a punishable offence. It's not, you know, Jimmy has singled out David Coote rather, who's, uh, he's not quite got it right because he said Coote was the VAR ref who sent Cooper off. Well, he wasn't, was he? He referred it. He but should it, have said it was fine. Yeah. Should mm. have waved it through. But um, he was also the VAR ref that disallowed the Bamford goal against Palace. That's the point he am. And I thought that was Mike um, Duda. Who knows? Leave this one? <laughs> well, none of look, this is making sense. Look, Jimmy has said has made an allegation about David Coote and pigs. That's yeah. all we're going to say. I mean, that's the only reason I was mentioning it, because there are potentially a couple of factual errors in there, but that's not one of them. <laughs> uh, yes. Raheem Sterling as well, If we're on, while we're still on the decisions that were made. I mean, Darren nominated him. The foul that he did on Rafinha, which wasn't even given as a free kick, that was definitely a booking. And then the one on Melier, again, you see those given as yellows yeah. all the time. I don't actually think either of them were malicious but I think both of them arguably were yellow cards. Yeah. Didn't get anything. And that's the same thing. Cooper's wasn't malicious. It just ended up him in the knee. But it wasn't. It wasn't, as we said before, it wasn't intended to hurt anybody. And I don't think Raheem Sterling and Ethan Wells intended to hurt anybody. And so it probably yellow cards all around, yellow card for Liam, and then yellow card each for Raheem's two. He might not have done the one on Melier if he had a yellow card. That's the whole point of them mm-hmm. is to, to kind of stop this kind of thing from happening again. So, well, mind you, if, if it is genuinely about excess force, which is what Cooper got done for, he's gone in out of control, excess force, caught the knee. If Sterling is going in on the goalkeeper or anybody else for that matter, and his leg is being left into the point where it's catching the player, then yeah, get him off. I'm all for it. Book him twice. <laughs> Send him off twice. Well, if he's done it twice, if he's if he's gone in late on one player and then he does it again to another, then it's a, 
a pattern and he should have learned from the first one. I don't know. He should learn from the, the start. I mean, the whole point of fouls is that it always gets said, well, it's part of the game. They're not part of the game. It's breaking the rules. It's like if you were playing chess and you picked up the queen and you threw it at the wall. Can it's you a foul. That? No, because it's not part that. of the game. And it's like also if a player is running through on goal in stoppage time, you can't just run across and kick them in the thigh. That's also a foul. It's not part of the game. It's not football. Football is kicking the ball about. What about the night? Can you do it with a night? Yeah, you can do what you want with a night. <laughs> Final thing on the refs, I think anyway, was Liam's nominated Peter Walton for switching from definitely a yellow card to red card all the way. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Peter Walton, if, for the benefit of anybody who's not seen Walton, you might, must have seen the tweet. He goes along with whatever. He's, he's BT Sports analyst, isn't he? Referee analyst. And they go to him, Peter, what do you think? Well, whatever the ref just decided, I agree, I agree with it. It was the correct decision, even though the ref changed his mind. You've got to hope for the sake of BT and also for ESPN that him and Steve Nichol are only on like contracts at the end of the season and then they can just go, let's, let's have a change. Let's see if we can find some way, other way of doing this. Uh, Adrian did allege that Fernandinho got away with murder. I mean, it, it could have been. You get, a, you get a knock on the muscle, can lead to a blood clot. I'm going to claim that it was an attempted murder and he should uh, serve time for this. But as it is, he will not even serve a ban. So yeah, VAR, Mariner, Coote, Fernandinho, Sterling, it's all kind of much of a muchness in terms of the gripe, isn't it? It's strange in a way because Liam Cooper getting sent off turned out to be the best possible thing that could have happened because it set up one of the greatest finishes of a, a match that we've seen for years and yet we're still furious about it. You might almost think in retrospect, well... The upside is all these great things happened because this, this bad thing was done. And the, the bad thing is, you know, Liam Cooper, it reminded me of the Cardiff one he got sent off for into Thomas Christensen where he, he, someone was going down the wing and he just ran across and just leathered him for no reason. It's going to did you did you have to? It, it was almost on, on that level. So I can, I can almost take it from Cooper in a way. He was trying to set up a brilliant match. And he did, so... He will win Hero of the Week then, presumably. And let's just tie up the rest of this uh, Man City chat because Lescott was nominated by Jay and the fact that he had utter contempt for us. Yeah, his argument was basically that before the game he said our style would have a ceiling near the near our current level and saying that even better players won't improve it and then afterwards was kind of saying, well, so what? <laughs> was, his, was the gist of it? He's an ex-Man City player, is the context of it as well. So, fuck him. What's it? Couldn't imagine a small team in quotes daring to attack again uh, instead of showing respect to a bigger team. Spiteful git. <laughs> it's fair enough. Speaking of spiteful as well, um, Nathan nominated Kevin De Bruyne. I think we've all seen the video of him watching Dallas score, and he's quite rightly pointed out why was he not applauding mm. as he should have been. A lack of respect. Tangentially related to Manchester City, as he was uh, there when we were still paying him, Danny Mills. I mean, lots has been said about this, and given that we beat Man City, it's kind of receded a little bit into the rearview mirror. But let's do Danny justice, shall we? Uh, and drag him through the mud and throw him in the river. That the, would be justice. Yeah, there was a lad on, uh, and I saw this one on Wacko, it was um, a guy called Piers, who uh, is in Malaysia, who pulled up uh, Danny Mills. So credit to you, Piers, for, for uh, speaking out on this one. It was on a follow-up podcast, I believe, or some sort of TV coverage that uh, Piers featured on. And he was saying it was like disrespectful and things like that. I, I slightly disagree that it was disrespectful to the club. The Danny Mills thing that I have a problem with, which is the Under the Cosh podcast, in which he spent a lot of time basically bragging about all the money that he got and he earned from Leeds United. I don't begrudge footballers getting the money that they get. It, you know, it's a short career, etc. all the rest of the cliches. 
but have some humility. Just have a little bit of humility about what happened and the context in which you received your £65,000 a week or whatever it might have been. And, and it felt like it lacked that for me. He was essentially hugely fortunate to be in the right place at the right time to earn an absolute shitload of money for being a mediocre footballer. And then he seems to think that that's absolutely every penny of that money was deserved. And it wasn't. And I've no problem with him really having money. I'm not particularly asked about footballers having money. Like, I think they pay too much, generally speaking, but equally, so what? Just don't be a prick about it. It was turning it all into a big laugh for the benefit of John Parkin is what really yeah. hurts. Um, not hurts, but it's annoying. It hurts Danny Mills more than anybody because I think even Leeds fans who are kind of like mild about him now realise that that's now what they think he's like. And if it's not what he's like, then he's fucked up. If it is what he's like, then fuck him. The comparison to make is maybe with David Batty, who gets a lot of criticism for the way he acted at the the time around the wage deferral, which is one of the things. Danny Mills was talking about, and I interviewed David Batty about that, many things, and spoke about that time at, at one point. And he has his his version of events, which was with the wage deferral that he felt that the players shouldn't defer their wages because there were players in the dressing room who were lining up big money moves for the end of the season. And his argument was, sell them, you'll get more money from them, and they don't want to be here. The players who do want to be here might keep the team in the Premier League. The chairman at the time, the acting chairman, Trevor Birch, his argument was he's trying to sell the club and the club would be more difficult to sell if those players had gone and if they got relegated. So he wanted a wage deferral. And also there was a bit of beef with David Batty. If you remember, he'd had the Peter Ridsdale who basically tried to retire him the previous season where he said he, he, he'll never play again. And David Batty felt that he was hung out to dry over the wage deferral thing, that he was made to be public enemy number one by the club who, who put that out there. I think there's still, there's an argument to be had with, with David Batty about it to say, well, you were against a wage deferral at a time when uh, the club really needed the money and you didn't help. And a lot of people feel that way about it. The crucial thing with David Batty on that, though, is whether you agree with his, his point of view, whether he was justified. He doesn't laugh about it. He doesn't treat it all as a big joke. But it, w- it was a, all about a serious decision in a serious situation that would still be when I suppose, you know, he, he wasn't sitting there going, ha ha. And then I went in and, uh, you know, the guy, he didn't know what was happening. It was like, it's all, no, like, this was my rationale for doing it. And this is why I felt that way. And you can take that from somebody. And you could take that from Danny Mills if you said, you know, I, I really thought it through and it was very important for me and my family. Instead, it's just laughing it up with John Parkin. The follow-up thing with with Piers, where he's, he's been trying to claim, you know, I wasn't laughing at the fans or anything. I was laughing at the situation. It was awful. Doesn't wash. It doesn't. No. That's it's all just trying what, to, what to that walk it, does, it back. What that does is it exposes the lack of understanding with how the fans feel. It exposes that lack of connection and part of the unspoken emotional contract with the fans when you are at a club is that you don't brag about money. We understand you earn plenty of it. But don't rub our faces in it because, I mean, I know it's all TV money these days, but back then, a lot of that, 15 million a season or whatever it might be, is our season ticket money. So when this club is pissing it up the wall on paying players, it's still our money. And it feels like we're having it wrung out of us against our will. And it's leaving the club to go to somebody who's playing for Man City or for Charlton. Contrast it with Bradley Johnson, who we spoke to over on the Extra Ball, which you should go check out, by the way. It's a very good listen. He was almost apologetic about the whole scenario about when he was wanting parity about the money and stuff like that. He was like, he was almost reluctant to talk about it because he he understood anyway, at very least, that fans will always react badly to players requesting more money, regardless of whether it's deserved or not. And it's just that, the contrast between the two, that, that disparity, funnily enough, between the two of Johnson gets it, Danny Mills does not understand 
one single bit what it is like to be a Leeds United fan. I thought he was also off when he was talking about the fact that he'd almost he was kind of saying, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't put a winding up order on the club." That was that was nice of me, wasn't it? I did a real favour there. It's like what he didn't address with that is that if he does that, he doesn't get his money, which is essentially what he always wanted. So, and because of the football creditors rule, it meant he was guaranteed to get his money if Leeds United stayed in business. The people who St John's Ambulance and the balloon supplier and the bloody catering companies in Leeds that all got absolutely shafted and got a few pence in the pound for it, they didn't get their money. Danny Mills knew he just had to wait for his and he could afford to do that because he'd already been paid an absolute fortune by Leeds and by the clubs throughout his career. So almost trying to pretend he was like doing us a favour for that. It's like, well, cheers, Danny. But it was for you as well, wasn't it? And he's tried to explain it away, saying it's all in the context of humour. Yeah, might be funny to you and your football, mate, but it's there for the world to see and you need to appreciate it's been put out there. And that's it. You don't understand the fans. You're not one of us. Stop pretending you are. And he does have season tickets in the Legends Lounge, he did point out as well. Well, so, that was one so, of his other... Uh, welcome back next season, Danny. It'd be nice to see you. I mean, one of his other replies to somebody on Instagram who was asking him about this was just to send a picture of his car. Like, I've got a nice car now and you haven't. And I think... When that's your go-to, mm. you're very much jealous of the argument. You? Well, yeah, exactly. You might you might be able to win some minor argument on points, but you still look like a prick bragging about a car. That's that's what he's got. He's got a couple of England caps and a nice car, and John Parkin probably might be his mate now. That's that's something to show for a career, isn't it? And final word on this: my old boss used to say to me, "There's a pint test. Would you want to go for a pint with somebody, Danny Mills?" It'd be interesting now. <laughs> you Get down the peacock on a match day? You wouldn't, would you? That's the thing. You just see him, and that's the thing, people who, who brag about the things that they've got, the materialistic things they've got. I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm kind of past that and I'm not materialistic myself. I just think, oh, you're a prick. I Go can't. for a bottle of Grey Goose in a private booth with Danny Mills? Well, that's where it'd have to be, wouldn't it? Probably make you pay for half of it, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> Twat. Right, let's um, award a winner for that villain of the week. <laughs> Danny Mills, I suppose. Yeah, Danny Mills all day. <laughs> <laughs> Unquestionable. Something and else? just to uh, the the one bright spot out of the Danny Mills thing was whoever um, brought up the. Have you seen the clip of him trying to run the ball into the corner against Arsenal? And Thierry Henry just runs up behind him, nicks the ball off him, and nutmegs him while Danny Mills stands there complaining to the linesman that he's not got a free kick when Henry has not touched him. It's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen on a football pitch, and it's beautiful. He's went playing for City at the time as well, which helps it didn't affect us. It says everything. Yeah but, yeah, but Moscow, I'm Danny Mills. I don't give a shit. Look at my car. Well, exactly. Danny Mills has got a car, and I hope every time he gets behind the wheel of that car, he thinks of the that little clip of him standing with his arms out to the linesman going, please help me, while an actual brilliant footballer runs away with the ball. As we head into 2021, time to get your affairs in Order with Levi solicitors. Um, get yourself a will sorted out ASAP and making lasting power of attorney. It gets all the things sorted out for you in terms of future planning if you are ill, injured, or become unable to make decisions for yourself. Essentially, you nominate a person to be your lasting power of attorney and they can then make decisions about your money and your health and your welfare. Difficult conversations to have with loved ones always are. But the peace of mind that you get from sorting all this stuff out is really, really good. So get in touch with Levi Solicitors and secure yourself that 10% discount at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. The Andy Hughes Hero of the Week award up for you now. Nominations, please. Dallas nominated by everyone. More or less, I won't, I won't name everyone because everyone said it and he's the, he's the obvious winner this week. So thank you very much. <laughs> 
He won it last week as well, didn't he? Time to go home then, eh? He's just one of life's winners. And it's so it's so good to see as well. You know, he's the the absolute polar opposite of somebody like Danny Mills, isn't he? Stuart Dallas gets it. Even the way he, uh, I, I mentioned it in my match report, but the only time that he kind of came to life in that post-match interview was when it came round to, uh, oh, you managed, you still believed all through the second half. And he was, he just kind of, after everything had been kind of, uh, you know, I just had the shot and I, I was lucky it went in and they said, I don't think you should give up whatever team you play for. And it was almost as if he was about to do a motivational speech. If he was like, he was uh, speaking with um, our friend Martin Highwood, wasn't he, about the muscular dystrophy campaign recently. They did the, a video call together and it, it ended up, the two of them just kind of like giving each other motivational <laughs> messages. And it was beautiful. And Stuart Dallas was almost going into that same mode as well. It was like, you know, I think me scoring this goal against Manchester City shows that whatever challenges you face in life, you should always believe in yourself that you can overcome them. And it was just, and that was the only time that he, it looked like he was interested in being in that post-match interview, being talking about him scoring the goal and stuff. Like, oh, that's a bit embarrassing. There's no reason. No, but just I just hit it and it went in. But if I can send a positive message to the people at home, that's what this is all about. And that's what Stuart Dallas is all about. He is a positive message to the people at home. So he's definitely winning it this week, but we do have to run through some of the other candidates. Let's look at the other players who've been involved in the game. For example, Costa was mentioned. He was picked out by both Jim and Nathan for having one of his better games for Leeds, one of his best ones. Matt picked out Gianni Alioski, particularly in the context of the stick that he's had recently. But he uh, he did you know a lot of really, really good stuff and that world-class through ball in the final minute of a grueling match. Let's enjoy Gianni while he's here. We'll miss him. Although, you know, depending on what happens next... We may revise that. In Whatever the happens yeah. with um, Costa and Alioski in the future, you can't look at that game and say they weren't trying or they didn't give a forecourt that Leeds United isn't important to them because the level of performance in that match said those are two players doing the best for the club right now. Uh, our defence got singled out, all of it, pretty much. Liam, that's not Liam Cooper, singles <laughs> out the whole defence. He's coming uh, and nominated. <laughs> just to they did great without me. Claw back a little bit of respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's uh, mentioning that we kept out the champions elect for 75 minutes, did most of it with 10 men. Uh, Sarah picked out the defence and as well, in particular, Urente, who's been great for the last few games. Moving away from the actual playing staff, commentary-wise, Tony DiRigo got some props from Darren for his orgasmic commentary, which was beautiful. Uh, Lucy Ward was picked out by Matt for cracking co-commentary. And yeah, BT Sports' obsession with Leeds-born Stuart Dallas is now a dim and distant memory. And also a couple of nominations for Bielsa himself as well, just to, from uh, from Aidan and Andy. Essentially, just for everything is what yeah. is what Bielsa gets nominated for. Just for and Aidan just saying from being fifteenth in the championship to beating Man City at theirs after having ten men for over the half the game just proves again and again what a genius coach he is. On Bielsa, has he taken over your life to the extent he has mine? In that my wife is watching, you know, that Marcella program that was on ITV. So she's been watching that on catch up on Sky upstairs, and I potted up to the bedroom and saw that she'd, she'd paused and oh, Marcella's on screen and obviously we ended up talking about Bielsa I say she, she didn't really talk about him as much as I did I just say he's brilliant isn't he Marcella and she, she does humour me I mean I, I don't think I've ever worn a t-shirt with a picture of a Leeds manager on before probably never will again but with Bielsa I mean we're, we're sat in a room here with we've got Bielsa on the wall in well, he's on the calendar for April we've got a picture of him there we've got the the t-shirt design that I was just talking about is on the wall behind me. We've got a Bielsa gnome to the side of us. We've got some Bielsa coffee on the table. 
courtesy of uh, LS11. It should be nice. They sent you that so, for yeah. absolutely nothing, so don't just... And it is very nice, I must say. We've been, uh, we've, we've been sampling it today. Don't forget the table itself. He's on the table at least twice, I think, in one form or another. So, yeah, he's, he's ever-present, isn't he? He has had a rival for Headspace over the last week. However, one surprise nomination for Hero of the Week is his predecessor, Paul Heckingbottom, Seems to be on That's, a lot of people's minds that at the moment. It's a terrifying concept, isn't it? Well, we can deal with it. I mean, he's been nominated because after his Sheffield United team lost 3 0 to, of all teams, fucking Arsenal, who were terrible, he said this in his post match press conference. We had to make a change at half time in terms of the shape um, to get more control without the ball, which won us the ball back, and then we had more of the ball, and we were happy at that point. He's got whip ball and we out ball, whip ball. And just because I don't know if people wonder if we maybe exaggerated this or that um, it was invented or or not quite as prevalent as um, as we made it seem. I did finally go back to the archive and see what I could find. And Paul Heckingbottom's very first press conference when he was introduced as Leeds United manager and met the press, speaking to the fans, he was asked, did he have a message for the Leeds United fans? To enjoy it, to enjoy the games, you know, to to come supporting the club and, and the players because one thing I've always wanted in, in my team and, and I'll definitely get it, um, however long it takes, I'll definitely get it, is something I know the Leeds fans love and enjoy, which is an intensity to how we play, uh, with the ball, without the ball. And like I say, I want that. I want a team that I pick and a team that I put out to reflect what I want to see. Whip ball. His first fucking press conference, whip ball, without ball. Without it. And I ended up wondering, not just that, but what we could have won. Same press conference, he was talking about the formations he was going to play. You know, I don't get hung up on systems, especially in possession. We'll have principles when we've got the ball. We will use formation, if you like, and it'll just be based on how we defend. So we could defend as a 4-4-2, we could defend as a 4-3-3, but in possession it may look exactly the same. So um, that'll be obviously the messages we get across. It's It's like listening to Bielsa himself. Isn't it? And, you know, not inaccurate. A week later, drew 2-2 with Bristol City and this was his assessment. Our formations are only really relevant when we've not got the ball. We either defend in a 4-4-2 or defend in a 4-3-3. And with the ball, we want to see similar movements. And no real straight lines. I'd love it if anyone just stopped the video and paused it and you gone on what formation they're playing, you couldn't tell. And because we want to have that freedom when we play. But without the ball, we want to make it black and white for the players and this is how we defend. So really, there'll, there'll be a lot said about the setups. but the, the only thing or the only decision I will make if we change between is uh, because of what I want it to look like without the ball. I want no one to know what is happening when we've got the ball, including the players. No one should know. Imagine that. I mean, people do uh, pause Bielsa matches and say, oh, you know, look at the, the tactical setup here. Paul Heckenbottom was taking it to a, a very different, a different level. So that was after his first, uh, was that his first win? No, this is his first win, isn't it? Against Brent, Brentford, we finally won a match. And what was that put down to? Just the work we've been doing without Paul. And it's, the credit goes to the players. It's you can't just switch it on. Do you know what I mean? I want, I want that to become second nature, though. And, and you can, you can very much see so today. I've probably spoken some of you about before. So that we were very much four four two without Paul today. Do you know what I mean? The other times you'll see us defend 4-3-3 without the ball and it looks slightly different but you've got to regardless you've got to have the same discipline and, and understand and, and understanding is good 
So I think we're getting the message now. It's it's either four four two or four three 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 with with and without the ball, and you'll never be able to tell. We couldn't tell. We went to uh, well, we played Reading a couple of weeks later, and we were uh, we were a goal down. Came came from behind to lead two one, and although it ended up being a two two draw, he was he was pleased with how it was going until that point. There's some shades of his uh, Sheffield United versus Arsenal message here, where he's like, you know, oh, we were we were happy with uh, we being two nil down until we <laughs> uh, until they scored the third. 10-15 minutes longer without that equaliser coming would have grown even stronger into it because yeah, at that moment I was really pleased because everything that we wanted was happening and yeah I thought we were were dominant we were comfortable without the ball but we are also created opportunities with the ball so yeah that's why the second goal's the, the, the one that's going to bug me over the weekend So that's his weekend ruined and pretty much the season ruined so three weeks after that we're getting ready to play Bolton and we're starting to think about what the work's going to be for next season so my focus is in between now and the end of the season. Mm. Working with the players who are here, who's going to be here next season, and trying to embed in what we want to see next season, which is a, a much more aggressive team, um, especially without the ball. At times with the ball, I've seen them throughout the course this season that we can be a real dangerous team. But I also want to, two ways, be aggressive to create dangerous opportunities for ourselves in how aggressive we are winning the ball back, where we win the ball back, and how good we become at that. It's not something that we've been that we're great at naturally but have to get better it's a big part of the game and then how aggressive we are in defending leads defending our box and the mentality of it how that looks on the pitch you'd say people dying for the cause that type of thing but all it is it's just a mentality to perform your role as best you possibly can with and without the ball dying on pitch with when, and without ball when did we look a dangerous team under him because he said he said we've shown we can look be a dangerous team I mean we, we beat Brentford true but he's got a bit more about what makes a winning team a week later when we're previewing. Uh, we're about to play Sunderland. So if you want to know what makes a winning team, this is it. Does it involve stuff with and we out? Bottom? Well, I mean, you don't want to preempt a, a man's ideas. Hear him out. Um, because that is that makes what makes a difference in the big moments. Otherwise, you can become a, a team that plays well, wins every now and again, you know, performing well, steady team in the league, but you, you're not going to end up a winner. So you have to believe in everything you do with the ball, without the ball, um, and really commit to it. Really commit to it. He's committed to it. Commit to it. And he's committed. And this is... uh, He wants committing. So that final day win, 2-0 win over QPR, Ryan Edmondson inspired. I drank so much to get through this game. He tried 4-3-3 with the ball for this one. What about without the ball? How could anyone tell? Well, (laughs) only because he told us... (laughs) And I thought the front six did that, did that great today throughout. And you can see how important. You know, I've been banging on all the time about us not being good enough without without the ball. And the second goal comes from getting it right. You know, you, it's a big, big part of the game being comfortable when the opposition's got the ball. And we actually scored a goal off it today, which is when you want him buying and, you, and you're showing the players. We've not been able to always pick a team that's been good without the ball because the balance of the squad, the availability of players. Today we could, so we did it. There you go. We could get the players today. So we did it. His ideas are vindicated. He's got that buy-in from the players that believe they're committed to, to dying on that pitch with and without the ball. From anyone who's seen any, any of my teams play, one thing that is an absolute given is how good you are without the ball. Yeah, you might make mistakes in when you press and when you don't, but we work on that. But you have to be willing to do it. You have to know how to do it. And it shows the value of it today. So... He started obviously looking ahead to the season afterwards, not knowing that he was going to be out of a job and Bielsa would be 
in his job. And you might remember he did say that when Bielsa came in that, you know, he expected Bielsa to, to carry on with a lot of the things that he'd identified as problems and that he'd be building on what he'd done after taking over from Thomas Christensen. So it's, it's worth listening to what Paul Heckingbottom's plan was for getting us out of the championship, because in his mind, there's only one way out. Playing-wise, better balance of the squad, uh, better balance in terms of having players who can affect the game when we've not got the ball, affect the game through physicality. We've got, we've got talent in there, we've got good technicians in there. So we need to get the balance of the squad right. So you're equipped for every sort of game in the championship. You know, think how many games you've watched this season, all the different styles of play. But one thing that is apparent, you look at the last five seasons and the teams who've gone up have all been able to handle games when they've not had the ball. Some teams have even, the majority, probably say 90% of the teams, have based their performance on how they've been without the ball. Others feel slightly different based on with the ball, but they were big on transition when they lost it pressing. Still went away from all Newcastle place like Villa Park, defended really deep and played on the counter-attack. So yeah, you have to be able to do that to win or to win more games than you should in this league. You know, you can't be one-dimensional. Yeah, you can't be one-dimensional. You cannot be one-dimensional. You've got to have charisma like me. Do you think, you know, when they went to Myanmar, that was arranged specially so they could just leave him there? <laughs> you know, everyone was looking for the reason. Was that it? I mean, all the stuff he's going on about, about not being, the current squad not being physical enough and not being able to match teams. And I mean, that that did happen, didn't it? So just as soon as he left. And the best way out is to uh, not have the ball, but is to play without, play without ball. And um, how many games did Leeds have less possession than the other team under Bielsa? Was it none? None. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would say a, a man is a madman until his ideas triumph. And there is still time for Eckingbottom's ideas that uh, you should play just uh, when we're out ball. Without the ball so far in his Sheffield United term, they have conceded 12 without the ball. With the ball, they've managed to score once in four games. So I'm going to say, so far, obviously I would give him the full summer to work on it and a, and a few years. Long contract. Uh, yeah, he needs at least three or four years to get these ideas to get... I mean, I don't know how long it'll be till they can afford Yaya Dom, but once his contract runs down and he's able to get him in... Has anybody paused the Sheffield United game since he, t- he took over? Can they can they tell what formation they're playing? Those players, they just move like a blur, don't they? Is, McBurney, you pause it. is McBurney even a striker? Who can tell? Oh, God. So that's, you know, hopefully that's the enough of Heckingbottom. <laughs> Forever. Forever. But Jesus, <laughs> we weren't lying. When we didn't, uh, we didn't do many podcasts when he was here because we, we weren't on it. Because we hated everything about so we kind of uh, we kind of missed all this. So this was, that, that's all that we would have been doing. You could have had uh, three years of whip ball and without ball. We've kind of compressed it. I mean, to be fair, we will make this joke last for about three years now. Oh, yeah. I mean, this isn't the last you've heard of it at all. He's, a, he's still in post, isn't he? Although I was wondering, can you sack an interim manager? Would you sack an interim manager? Should you sack an interim manager? It'd be funny to try. I think they should try. It would be, if he goes on, because he was on um, holiday when Victor Orta flew out to to tell him his services were no longer required. Send him on another holiday. Just have a little break, Paul. He went there with job, came back without job. (laughs) Right, let's wrap it up there then. Of course, Stuart Dallas, just to remind you, because it was a while ago, was the hero of the week. We don't even mentioned him shouting at Pat. Oh, thank God for Stuart Dallas. That's all I'm saying. Thank God for Stuart Dallas. Martin points out that he was uh, at least one of his heroic acts is shouting at Pat. Let's leave you with the beautiful sound of Stuart Dallas. We'll catch you next time. Pat! 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 Pat!
The Square Ball Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>